Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we continue our series entitled, What to Do, specifically, what to do in light of the cultural and ecclesiastical crises that we are facing. And this is part six of a series. And today, towards the conclusion of our episode, we're going to touch some serious topics. So this may not be the best episode for children and younger teens to listen to. They're just serious topics, and you may want to evaluate whether or not it would be suitable for them to listen. So I rarely do this, but today might be one of those days. What I'm recommending right off the top for what you should do as a parent and what you should do for your children is root yourselves in Scripture. Everything in this series goes back to the beginning. We ask the question, what time is it? And we are definitely in some form of apostasy. In other words, a significant falling away from the faith. We could even be, I don't know of any way, at least to my knowledge, you could know whether or not we are in the great apostasy that both the catechism and the Bible describe. But in any case, we're in serious times, and so in order to navigate clearly in serious times, root yourselves and your children in Scripture. And I'll be describing what it means to root yourself, but this doesn't mean like read the Bible maybe once every week or two on your own. No, it means that this becomes a regular part of your life. Why do you want to do that? Well, uh, Right now, we're facing a 60%-plus washout of young people, both evangelicals and Catholic. Young adults are leaving the faith in hordes. And when a majority of young adults leave the Christian faith, this is a crisis, and any parent doesn't want to see this for their children. But Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, he said, because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So, you know, it really doesn't help to begin the Christian life and then peter out. It really doesn't help to be initiated into the Christian faith and then depart from it, fall away from it, because Jesus says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. So rooting yourself and your children in Scripture is a way to endure. I'd like to start with Psalm 1, one of my very favorite psalms. It's a Torah psalm, Torah being the Hebrew name for the law. It's a psalm extolling the Word of God. And this is how it begins. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And there's a parallel here in, 
and the Psalms are Hebrew poetry, and there's a lot of parallelism. Walking in the law of the Lord is equivalent to meditating on it day and night. In other words, it's a regular habit. But what what happens when you root yourselves in Scripture? It says you walk not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You might be asking, what does that have to do with anything? Well, every parent of a teenager or a young adult, and I would dare say even just older children, grade school children, need the ability to withstand peer pressure and the cultural decay that's coming at them at 100 miles an hour. So how do you keep from following the counsel of the wicked? What's going on in YouTube videos? What's going on in the music and entertainment world, media world, and social media world? How do you withstand all that? Well, you meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. And then it says in the next verse, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season and its leaf does not wither, doesn't dry up. In other words, you have to have roots to be able to pull up nourishment and water for a tree to thrive, and this is comparing the believer to a tree that doesn't wither, that doesn't dry up. What we're seeing are nice little saplings being introduced to the Christian faith and then departing, withering. And you might, you know, this just can't go on when you have the majority of evangelical and Catholic young people leaving the practice of the faith. Well, how do you reverse that? Delighting in the law of the Lord, rooting yourself, meditating regularly in the Word of God. You may have heard my episode on the power of four. It has been shown in one of the largest, in fact, it may be the largest Christian survey that has ever been done. This is a survey of over 100,000 people, very carefully done. And they found out that those who engaged in Scripture, in other words, had a serious uh, connection with Scripture, either listening to the Bible or reading the Bible, prayerfully doing this, if they did it at least four times a week, their probability of having sex outside of marriage that translates into cohabitation or adultery is a probability of 68% less than those others who don't do it. A drop of 68%. Well, what happens with those who are engaging in the Bible at least four times a week, four times or more, listening or reading? Their probability of exposing themselves to pornography is 61% less. What about drunkenness? 57% less. You see, you know, you don't go with the flow, so to speak. The flow right now is cohabitation, uh, before marriage, adulterous relationships in marriage, pornography viewing, left, right, and center, drug and drunkenness. Well, that's not really a sin, is it? Because that's the way our culture views it. So if you root yourself with an alternative voice that you keep coming into, you know, it doesn't do good to say, I'm going to go for 45 minutes 
to a few classes for a few years, and then boom, out into the world I go without any other input, you're going to wash out. Jesus said when wickedness is multiplied, and I think you would agree with me, that's what's going on in our world, most, not a few, most men's love will grow cold. In other words, those who had the faith will lose the faith, and it's endurance to the end. Now, here's the big finding of this study, besides I've just showed you the dramatic lowered probability of engaging in sinful uh, behavior, is that those who would engage with the Bible three times a week, there was no significant difference between three times a week and those who never did it. It seems that four or more times a week, it's walking in the law of the Lord, meditating in the law of the Lord, kind of having this living relationship that's ongoing. If it's uh, three times a week, I'm sorry, you're statistically at zero as far as the other people who never read the Bible. It's four times or more a week. Now, why would you need that? And again, everything in this series goes back to the beginning. What time is it? If it is a time where wickedness is multiplying, where there's great falling away from the faith, and to fall away from the faith means you first had to have it. This is a Christian's falling away from the faith. Here's the message from the first pope that we should listen to very carefully, the letter of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word made more sure. You would do well to pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now, if you think everything is sunny and nice, and I'm not saying that, you know, with all our creature comforts in the modern world and everything, I'm talking about morally. If you believe we're living in a dark place, then St. Peter says you will do well to pay attention to the prophetic word as a lamp shining in a dark place. But then the next verse, which is the next chapter, which means nothing. There were no chapter divisions when St. Peter wrote his epistle. The next verse says, but, but false prophets arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. The first pope warns us that we need to pay attention to the prophetic word because false prophets in the old covenant arose and deceived the people of God. He says, just as there will be false teachers among you, bringing in destructive heresies. Now, how far will this get? I mean, do you think uh, it will reach three or four percent? Well, this is what the first pope warned. I dare say we should pay a lot of attention to it. He said this, and many will follow their licentiousness. And because of them, the way of truth will be reviled. Many. This is exactly what Jesus warned. Most men's love will grow cold. Many will follow their licentiousness. Now, how do you find a false prophet? Well, the easiest deception for false prophets to corrupt the Catholic faith 
is licentiousness. What's that talking about? It's talking about adultery, out of wedlock cohabitation. It's talking about sodomy. And somehow it's, it's really okay because mercy means we can fully engage in the sexual revolution and fully expect to go to heaven and really don't worry about any eternity in hell. Many will follow this. This is when a culture and when a church is experiencing darkness and we see false prophets leading others away, the first pope says, you will do well to pay attention to the prophetic word to keep you from following the Pied Piper who is actually leading millions straight to hell. Here's another one. St. Jude, who is a relative of Jesus Christ, says in the third verse, because there's no chapters in Jude, there's only one chapter, he says this, Beloved, being very eager to write to you of our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You know, when everybody comes and says, hey, we got a new morality, we have new family formation, new family types, we have a new day in which we're living, we're in a new phase of the Catholic Church, just go back to Jude chapter 3. I was eager to write to you because we have our salvation rooted in the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And then she says in the next verse, for admission has been secretly gained by some who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly persons who pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they're perverting grace. See, mercy, you have to understand, in our day really means you're free to engage in the sexual revolution. Really, anything goes, and mercy will cover anything goes. And that's a stark contradiction to the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. It pops up every now and then in history, but there are so many voices out there today, and this is explicitly warned against by Holy Scripture, ungodly persons, corrupt persons in their own morality, giving corrupt teaching, and how do they do it? They pervert the grace of God. The grace of God is to lead us into a holy life. God gives his love to us and his grace, and we respond in love and obedience to him. False prophets pervert the grace of God into licentiousness. So what do you do to steal yourselves against this? Well, you go back to the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. In other words, you have to root yourselves in a day when there's basically false prophets leading many astray. And this is exactly the warning coming from the lips of Jesus, the lips of St. Peter, the lips of St. Jude, and we need to be very careful about this. He says further in Jude, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. You see, the new theology grows out of ungodly passions. This is exactly where it comes from. A lot of people don't want to admit this or even talk about this, but this is where it comes from. And when you hear things like this, 
the church has to be open to other forms of the family other than the nuclear or extended family. What? What is this talking about? The church has entered a new phase. Unspoken, therefore it needs a new morality rather than the faith once delivered to the saints. Or the church must embark on a new path with new kinds of families and new family relations. How do you translate that? Very simple, cohabiting relations and same-sex, not just marriages, but families approved by the church. These statements, which come from the highest levels of the church, are those of sodomites or sodomite-friendly, morally corrupt theologians and church leaders. This is total poison of ungodly persons who pervert the grace of God into licentiousness. St. Peter warned that many will follow their licentiousness, and because of them, the way of truth will be reviled. You know, there have been gay, drug-fueled orgies right in Vatican buildings that included key members of the hierarchy. Remember, Pope Benedict received a three-inch notebook filled with accounts of Vatican filth. Now, what do we do to all this? What happens? We heard that we have to have new forms of the family. We have to have a new path with new kinds of families and new kinds of marital and family relationships. Well, I'll tell you very simply what to do. It's exactly what Mother Angelica said to do when the cardinal who ran up a $600 million bill keeping the abuse cover-ups that he was guilty of came out with a defective document on the Eucharist. And she simply said, don't listen to it. And I simply say to you, as Mother Angelica said to him, don't listen to them. That's A. And A is not enough, though. The B part is listen to Scripture. Listen to time-tested church teaching. Now, I repeat, you have the prophetic word made more sure, says St. Peter. You will do well to pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place. But false prophets arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Don't listen to them. Listen to Scripture. Listen to reliable, time-tested teaching. Now, it's easy to even go astray with Scripture itself. And my point here is the need to root yourself because you need a reliable, consistent, and truthful voice in a day and age where there's a lot of false teachers running around saying, we got this new thing here and a new thing here and a new morality there, in contrast to the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. If we're living in an apostasy, which means many are falling away from the faith, that means things are way off kilter. We want to stay on track. So we use the Bible, and many times I have uh, recommended the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible as a way of 
not even getting off track because sometimes we can import our own ideas into the scriptures, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, in the bottom part of the page where it has the scripture, it will give you an accurate understanding of what you should be getting out of that. So the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, spending time regularly engaged with scripture, listening to it or reading it at least four times a week. And then, again, to make sure our understanding of Scripture stays on track when the whole world seems to be taking exits left and right, you want the Catechism of the Catholic Church without contemporary updates. I'm afraid that some of the teaching, particularly of John Paul II, regarding morality, moral absolutes, and marriage and family, is going to be changed in the Catechism. So get some catechisms for your children and grandchildren just in case it might be updated, so to speak. You don't want any more updates. I would stick with that and stick with the marriage and family teaching of Pope John Paul II. You know, Scripture is very powerful. And imagine a man who was a Protestant minister, who enjoyed being a Protestant minister, who all his fellow Protestant ministers were very uh, happily accommodating what was going on in marriage and family life in Protestant circles. Um, I'm talking about myself. And you know, it was Scripture that caused me to leave my Protestant pastorate and provoked me to stop giving communion to those living in adulterous second marriages. This came from Malachi chapter 2. And if it wasn't for Malachi chapter 2, there's probably a fairly significant chance I would still be a Protestant minister. You see, the Scripture has the power to give us light and truth, even though we've been educated one way, all of our friends believe uh, a certain way. And I heard... God speaking in Malachi chapter 2, and I would like to share this chapter which caused me to leave my Protestant pastorate. It starts in chapter 2, and now, O priests, this commandment is for you. Now, as an evangelical pastor, I didn't believe in priests in the New Covenant, but I thought, well, if it applied to Old Testament priests, it certainly applied to me as a pastor. If you will not listen if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. In fact, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung upon your faces, the dung of your offerings, and I will put you out of my presence." My covenant with Levi, Levi was the priestly tribe, was a covenant of life and peace. He feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was found in his mouth, no wrong on his lips. He walked with me in peace and righteousness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted 
the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I will make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in your instruction. And this again you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping, groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it at your hand. You ask, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness to the covenant between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Has not the one God made and sustain us for the spirit of life? And what does he desire? Godly offspring. So take heed to yourselves and let none be faithless to the wife of his youth. For I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. So take heed to yourselves and do not be faithless. You have wearied the Lord with your words. You say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. This chapter from Malachi chapter 2 caused me to leave my Protestant pastorate. It was something that I believe that the Bible is true, and the Bible is vibrant. It's alive. It can penetrate us. Even when our entire culture is darkening, when our entire culture is pulling us ways, even though means of technology is increasing cultural and social pressures and peer pressures, we simply don't have to listen to the voice of false prophets corrupting many into licentiousness. It happened in the past. It'll happen in the last days. It's happening in our days. And so we're living in special days that require rootedness in Scripture. It requires rootedness in a non-modified catechism of the Catholic Church. It requires rootedness in papal teaching and the Church Fathers. I'll repeat for the third time the words of our first pope, and we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this as a lamp shining in a dark place. But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Mom and dad, root yourselves, root your children in Scripture and reliable church teaching. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 215 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.